If you want to secure your retirement on your own terms, you need to go beyond conventional financial strategies. Stick around. We'll introduce you to new perspectives for enhanced wealth creation and protection. Now, on to our podcast, Beyond Conventional, with Joe Biondolillo. Hello and welcome to our podcast today. This is Matt Halloran, joined today by Joe Biondolillo, and we're going to get to know who Joe is, what he does, and what makes him tick with our new podcast series called Beyond Conventional. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks. How are you? Good. I am doing really well, and I'm really excited for our listeners to have a chance to get to know you even better. So if you don't mind, man, we're going to jump right in. Sounds great. Okay. So first question is, why did you decide to work in financial services? Tell us a little bit about your story. Back when I was 18 years old in 1998, when I first entered the financial services business, my attraction was more so to Wall Street, the acronym of Wall Street, the buying, the selling, the energy. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I entered the financial services business. That changed maybe 15 years after I was engaged into that career and totally did a 180 with my career, changing it from a Wall Street-based practice and a transactional investment-based practice to more of a financial strategies, protection-based practice, um, which is where my career currently stands and and we're moving full steam ahead. Well, that's interesting. So break down for our listeners then, what is your specialty? So so take what you just said there and, and let's flesh it out a little bit. Uh, unpack that for us. Interestingly enough, what the stock market taught me is that it was unpredictable. Mm-hmm. There were ups, there were downs. Um, and although conventional wisdom would tell you that stock markets always go up, it's not practical. Where that might be a long-term expectation, that's not how life happens. Life doesn't go straight up. Mm-hmm. There's there's erosionary components of life. There's unexpected circumstances in life. And planning as a, as a process isn't based on an investment, something that you can just lock away and, hey, let's talk about this in 40 or 50 years. Things happen. People get sick. Uh, people die. Children are born, houses get purchased, new homes get purchased. Um, so I've developed a practice based on some quality people that I've surrounded myself with and learned about their businesses. And what I've decided to do is work really exclusively with executives, professionals, and business owners who are successful in their own right. They're open-minded and, and they're family-oriented. So we've kind of completely changed our practice to work on people that have those commonalities. Fantastic. So what do you do for them? I want you to unpack that a little bit more. So you're talking about um, really taking taking a different tact on financial services. So if I am one of those ideal clients, what, what can I expect from, from you and your firm? You know, Matt, it starts with organization. Uh, oftentimes folks come to us and they're already successful. So they've got the financial investment person. They've got somebody who has sold them some life insurance, some hopefully disability insurance. They may have wills. They may not have wills. Uh, They've got maybe insufficient amounts of protection on their auto and their homeowner's policies. They've got what we commonly refer to as the financial junk drawer, where they've bought a bunch of different products from oftentimes a bunch of different people. Um, And this junk drawer is an uncoordinated, inefficient way to go about life. So the first thing we do is help them organize that financial junk drawer so they really understand where they are in the present position. Gotcha. 
How do you get in front of those people, though? So how do you acquire new clients? We've built our practice where 99% of the folks that we do business with are referred or introduced to us. Those introductions, Matt, come from two different sources. First piece of it is our existing clientele. As people get to work with us and understand our process and understand the conventional way of a typical financial strategies process, and they're comfortable with us, they typically introduce us to other people that they care about who we could be of assistance to. The second way that we get introduced to our prospective clients is through other trusted professionals, whether it be financial advisors, the folks who are managing their assets, whether it be through their accountants and they're looking for comprehensive tax strategies, whether it be through their attorneys, either their business attorneys or their trusted estate attorneys, uh, or just other advisors that they have in their lives. It could be mortgage brokers, it could be property and casualty agents, other individual micromanagers, if you will, oftentimes introduce us to their clients knowing that an experience of working with us will be a value add to their business and be able to assist the clients that they're trying hard to build relationships with. Unpacking or organizing somebody's financial junk drawer sounds to me like there's a lot of education needed. What do you do to educate your clients and what kind of big picture client education do you do? From an education perspective, we have a lot of open-ended conversations with our clients. We often recommend things for our clients to read. And we just share with them our insight. You know, we, we are constantly explaining to them real rates of return versus average rates of return. We're explaining to them uh, any deficiencies through our model that we've identified that they currently have in their present financial position. Who is on your team and what do they do? Directly on our team in our office we have quite a few folks who work with us. We're a, a boutique type firm and we've developed our practice that way uh, intentionally. Rather than having a financial strategies practice where we've internalized everybody, which seems to be common, uh, we often are uncommon. We have a team internally that consists of myself, my executive assistant and personal assistant, Stephanie Bentonplia. Uh, we also have a director of client services, Kevin O'Brien. Kevin O'Brien's position is really to assist our clients through their process and always having somebody for them to speak to immediately that could discuss some of the strategies that we've assisted clients with on a very high level due to the schedule that I maintain with constantly being in front of new and prospective clients. And what we've done outside of our office is we have a direct extension of our team. And those are the other trusted advisors that we've built relationships with. And I'll tell you, Matt, the reason why I've decided to build the practice this way is because there's no one size fits all model mm -hmm. when it comes to financial strategies. Mm -hmm. An accounting firm that fits the bill for a client who might own 10 franchises is going to be a different accounting firm that we recommend to somebody who's a partner at a major investment bank in New York City. Right. We've built relationships with people who are specialists. And I think that's really the key is surrounding yourself and helping your clients surround themselves with people who specialize in assisting your clients, getting them to where they need to be, not filling a room with generalists so mm -hmm. you could control the entire relationship. You know, when we talk about you being beyond conventional, I, I, I love that. And in fact, to me, Joe, it sounds to me like you're truly building a 21st century 
firm because that's what a lot of other very, very successful companies end up doing is they realize they don't know everything, so they surround themselves with people that do. Now, speaking of surrounding yourself with people who are specialists, what do you do in the community? I know that might sound like a strange segue, but you've built a community of professionals. I want to know what you do in the community where you're located. I think it all starts with where you started from. And um, I attended a high school that I feel gave me a terrific foundation which was Monsignor Farrell High School in Staten Island, New York. I try to give back to the high school as much as possible, spend time with the high school. We work with students who are struggling at the school, and we try to build relationships with them and tell them about our own experiences and how the school had a positive impact on our own lives. Hmm. Since then, we've obviously grown. Um, My current community that we spend the majority of time with is the business community, And I'm currently a cabinet member and ambassador for Staten Island Economic Development, which is some of the top business folks here on Staten Island in the New York area. My office is physically located in my New York location in the Richmond Valley section of Staten Island. I'm also on the board of a local non-for-profit called the Emergency Children's Help Organization, which Mm. our mission is to help families that have children under the age of 18 with a medical emergency that have a living emergency, some sort of a financial issue. And through that involvement, we meet on a monthly basis and have board meetings and review some unfortunate circumstances where, unfortunately, families are suffering from an illness in their household, and there's also some financial constraints associated with it. So as a local non-for-profit, we do all of our work in select townships in New Jersey, as well as the majority of our work here on Staten Island. And as far as my future community, we've just opened the new Red Bank location in New Jersey and Monmouth County. And we anticipate and look forward to continuing to grow our community involvement as our business grows in that area. Thank you for giving back. I, I really do personally. And I know that your community thanks you very much for taking time and using not only your heart, but your head and your expertise to be able to provide them with good thought leadership and good guidance to make sure that they're able to, you know, live the life that our, that your community deserves. Now we're going to switch gears here and we're going to talk about philosophy. So you've, you've dipped your toe in the water here with our listeners about who you are and what you do and kind of how you think about financial services. But when you think about your financial philosophy, since you took that 180, what does your financial philosophy itself look like now? And how would you distill that? Uh, We believe that Full protection should be in place for all facets of one's personal and professional financial world. And the way that we really accomplish or work with clients towards that objective is through our unique macroeconomic approach and really assisting folks, Matt, on focusing on the integration and coordination of their assets. The objective is simple. It's to work on maximizing the efficiency. And while most folks are focusing on the growth of their assets, the investments, so to speak, um, our firm through our process is really a shift in the way we look at things because we're, we're not focusing on the growth of assets as, as much as we're focusing on the financial foundation, which is really the, the protection around the assets, the protection against your assets from the things or the forces in life that you have no control over the wealth eroding factors of market correction and volatility and death or disability and certainly taxes and lost opportunity costs and technological changes and 
planned obsolescence, inflationary risk, uh, systematic risk, Matt, things that mm -hmm. folks in life have no control over. We're more so concerned with protecting an asset than chasing a rate of return in a marketplace. Gotcha. Well, you've uh, already given us some answer on, on my next question here, which is the fact that you're quite busy giving back to the community. But when you're not working, uh, when you're not giving back to the community, tell me a little bit about and tell our listeners about what you do for fun. Well, first off, I'm a dad and a husband and a dad of four children. So uh, when I'm not working, as you can imagine, it's, you're pretty it's, busy there. huh? It's basketball games. My uh -huh. two older boys are active in, in basketball. They enjoy basketball. We play golf together, which they enjoy. My oldest daughter plays basketball. My younger daughter is in dancing school. So, I mean, it's it's the typical dad stuff. Mm -hmm. When I do have some time for myself, for myself it's. I enjoy reading uh, as much as possible, daily exercising, whether it's running or training, golf when we have the time and we could fit it in, and spending time with my wife, but socially with friends and clients and business associates as well, because my business is a very close-knit community of people that we work with and we enjoy spending time with them socially, not only professionally. So if you had all of the money in the world, what would you do? You know, interestingly enough, I have far from all the amount of money in the world, but I don't worry about money too much. I, I worry about just doing the right thing with our practice, growing it. So to answer your question directly, I, I wouldn't change much. Mm -hmm. I would probably shift the purchase, the, the purpose, and make the purpose more about giving back. And day to day, I, I would just consistently try to continue to educate more and more people about what, what it is that we do because we feel that it adds that much value. Awesome. Who's your favorite person in history and why? You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of history, Matt, and specifically American history. So, you know, whether it be somebody like an Abe Lincoln, whose story of persistence I think is inspiring, or Alexander Hamilton and how his philosophies helped shape the financial system that we currently have today, I, I enjoy it all. I love reading about the era of the Industrial Revolution, the Carnegies, the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts, who were from Staten Island, by the way. I don't think there's any one person that I could put my finger on mm -hmm. as much as a culmination of many of them. Awesome. I, I love that answer because it, it's, it's nice that you have uh, generalized your focus to just overall wonderful and successful people who've done great things for our country. So that's really good. That's a, that's a wonderful answer. And what is your idea of success? So when that word pops into your brain, what, what do you think of? Automatically, I break that down into two components where you've got financial success and you've got personal family type of success. And on the family side, along with my wife, we, I guess, are hoping to raise for respectful, healthy, successful in their own world children and maintain good, positive relationships with our friends and immediate family and extended families. On the financial side, it's, it's building a business ultimately that could make a difference in my community. And I feel that what we do for a living, there's very few fields that have the gratification of being able to provide that as consistent as we do. What is the one thing that you recommend most to clients, friends, or family? Now, this can be a book, it can be a recording, it can be a saying, any of those things. You know, one thing I find myself saying time and time again almost kind of relates back to the history question that you asked. From a financial strategies perspective, 
there's so many myths that exist in the world of financial strategies that people begin to believe it's the truth. So a common phrase that I often say is a phrase that Ronald Reagan used in dealing with the Russians in the 1980s when he said, trust but verify. Hmm. And whether it be personal or financial decisions, we often make decisions on the opinions of those that we surround ourselves with, right or wrong, good or bad. Mm -hmm. And we advise people ultimately with that saying to just be a sponge, take it all in, but then verify the information which we feel makes a big difference in the overall assistance of your decision-making capabilities. Sure, sure. Well, so that really leads us into this next question, which is what is your mantra, your motto, or something that you say to keep yourself focused? Is, is it along those lines, or is it something different? You know, it's. I would say it's it's something different because regardless of how great of personal achievement I achieve or, or how bad circumstances may seem, life is constantly changing. Hmm. And I just try to really focus on the fact that yesterday is the past, good or bad. It can't be changed. Tomorrow is the future. I have no control over it, but I could control my actions today. And one thing I try to really keep myself focused on is trying to be focused on the present moment. Hmm. I often tell myself, um, you know, look at one action at a time. Sometimes I break it down into into individual moments of minutes or 15-minute segments, but I try to just constantly tell myself that being in the present moment will always give me the most amount of success because I could focus on what's important at that time. What is your proudest achievement? A again, looking at this both personally and professionally, I think it's a two-edged question, even though oftentimes the two overlap, Matt. Mm -hmm. Personally... You know, with my wife, I would have to say it's the success of our healthy children. And our children are on the right track. They range from 13 to 3. They're doing well in school. Uh, it's mainly a testament to my wife's hard work. But yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> I like to think that I have some influence on their personal achievement and guidance. Uh, professionally, I've had a fair amount of success, and I'm very grateful in multiple businesses. And for me, I think my proudest achievement is consistent growth. The good thing about growth is that you can choose to make it constant and consistent through education, meeting new people, um, hard work. And that said, it's it's a continuous process. Uh, and I think I'll I think I'll be able to be, I'll better be able to answer that question for you when reflecting on my career oh. at some time late future. So. I'll keep you posted on that. I appreciate that, and I hope that I have the opportunity to be around to interview you uh, to talk about what that proudest achievement is in, in hindsight. Well, you have the attention of a lot of people. Uh, there are a lot of people who listen to this show itself. Um, how should people contact you? Who should contact you? Uh, and what's the best way to, uh, to engage you if what you've said today intrigues them? I'll tell you a story about somebody that I worked with a few years back, and, and he came over to me, and he said, Joe, we're doing really well. He's a professional. He owns his own medical practice. He has multiple locations. And he said, we've met with a bunch of different financial folks. Uh, we have an accountant. We have an attorney. And we're doing a lot of things, and we're doing really well. He goes, my concern is I think we're just doing a lot of things, and I want to make somebody – I want to have somebody take a look at this stuff to kind of see if we're doing the right thing because if we're doing the wrong thing, we're doing so much of it, we're, we're going to be in a world of trouble, and we don't think it will be repairable. And I think that really rings out in my mind of who we work with because 
everybody that we work with are successful folks. When people are introduced to us, one often commonality that we hear from these people is that they've got other folks that they work with. Well, most successful people have people in place. There's no two ways about that. And what they typically have wound up doing as a result of that is just buying a bunch of different products from a bunch of different people. And that's really the basis of that confused financial junk drawer, which is a conventional way of the product-driven environment that we currently live in today. The way folks should try to reach out to us is through email or calling our office to schedule a time to speak. Uh, we typically have a few-minute conversation with somebody, maybe 10 or 15 minutes on the phone just to introduce ourselves and schedule a consultation for them to come in and meet with us more formally about how coming through our process will be able to add financial value to their world. So what's the best number for them to reach out to get some time either on your calendar or somebody on your team? So their contact would be my assistant, and her name is Stephanie Ventimiglia, and they could contact her at 718-948-3100, and she'd be happy to schedule a time for them to speak with us, and um, we could typically book that call within one week from them calling. Wonderful. Well, Joe, thank you very much for your time today and your your, your, your wisdom to talk to us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and what makes you tick. My pleasure, Matt. It was nice speaking to you as well. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Beyond Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. By providing this content, the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Joseph Biondalillo is a financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Beyond Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0I32947. Arkansas Insurance License Number 12813376. Submission Number 2023-151743. Expires 03 of 25.